What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Ah, it was so nice to watch football again. Preseason's back. We're recording this on Friday morning as you listen to this Saturday mailbag. So we will react to two games from last night, the Steelers and the Eagles, the Patriots, and the Washington football team. And we'll read all your emails, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com, and your Apple podcast questions as well. Adam Azer, Jamie Eisenberg, Chris Towers. We got to see Mac Jones last night. We got to see uh, the, the two tight ends for the Philadelphia Eagles show a little bit. Uh, it, was, it was nice to have football back. Jamie, what stood out to you in the preseason games? Um, what stood out to me in the preseason games? I, I hate preseason football. <laughs> it's, it's fun to watch, but, you know, it's like the, the anticipation is great, and then it happens, you're like, oh, okay, let's get to the regular season already. Um, Mac Jones, I thought, handled himself well. I thought Jalen Hurts actually looked pretty good. Um, Quez Watkins was fun. Um, yeah. There really wasn't much to, to learn last night, you know, from from these games. Najee Harris had a couple runs called back by by penalties, which was uh, unfortunate. Um, but I thought he ran well again. Um, so you know, it's uh, it's more trying to figure out you know some depth for for certain situations. But Quez Watkins is is definitely somebody of interest now with uh, what this Eagles receiving core looks like. Mm-hmm. Also, kind of annoying that the Steelers starters played, or a lot of them did anyway, on offense, but not Ben Roethlisberger. So I know Chris was looking forward to seeing the new offense. I don't know if you learned anything there. Anything stand out to you in either of the preseason games, Chris? Uh, I I thought Tim Anderson hitting a walk-off home run into the corn was really cool. Okay, That was primarily what I watched last night. (laughs) I'm very glad I I didn't see that play. I was flipping back and forth, especially early on. And the one thing that really stood out to me, um, not being able to see Ben Roethlisberger in this offense, I don't know if he's going to play in the preseason at all at this point. I don't think they've said anything. Uh, one way or the other, He's but playing in the third game. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, they had the Washington football team had five third downs with the first team offense and Antonio Brown, uh, Antonio Gibson was not on the field for any of them. Uh, Peyton Barber actually was on the field for one. I think game. he was on the field for the first one. Um, I think maybe I read wrong, but I think he, they had five and it was Barber on the first one and then McKissick on the next. Maybe four. I thought, I thought I might've seen him on the first yeah. one. I'm, uh, if um, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but that would be, that was definitely one of the things that I want to watch for in the preseason because, you know, I think we all knew that Antonio Gibson didn't play much on third down last year. I actually looked it up. Uh, he played 
21 snaps on third downs last season. J.D. McKissick played 187, mm. uh, which is a wild gap. And, you know, obviously, if we want Antonio Gibson to make this big leap as a pass catcher, he did. He was targeted three times yesterday. Yeah, or, yeah three times. Um, mm-hmm. But he'll have to have a bigger role on third down. So, you know, it's one preseason game. It's basically a quarter and a third. Um, but so far, that wasn't what we saw yesterday, at least. So what was the what was the stat again? When were these third down situations? Because as I was watching it, I was kind of uh, encouraged by at least the usage with the three targets, as you mentioned, for Antonio Gibson. Uh, so go ahead, repeat that. What you said? It was, I believe, uh, this is what I read last night. At least it was five third down plays, and Antonio Gibson wasn't on the field for any of them. And he was uh, still in the game at that point. Yes. Yeah. Okay. These were with the first team offense. Okay. Okay. So he did have uh, five carries and three targets in limited action. So that's good. But the third yes. down thing is is pretty interesting as well. Um, Damian Harris started for the Patriots. No surprise. Uh, Sony Michelle came in was okay. Ramondre Stevenson had a 91 yard touchdown run later in the game. And uh, yeah, I think uh, trade Sony Michelle, please. What about what about uh, Zach Ertz? At this point, is he someone that because he had what he had three targets? He dropped. He had a pretty bad drop, but he had two catches for twenty yards on three targets, and I believe he had the first catch of the game for the Eagles. Jamie is is Zach Ertz someone that uh, we should be thinking about taking if we punt on tight end? You know, as as one of our last picks, he's in the conversation if he stays in in Philly. You know, I mean, there's still some talk that they're going to try and move him, and maybe they were showcasing him last night. So you never know how that. Is still going to unfold, but if he's on the team, you know, I, I know the talk is Goddard is going to take over the role, but if you're Philly at this point, you look at this receiving core, it's so incomplete. Devontae Smith, they hope is going to be a star. You don't draft him 10th overall if you don't feel that way, but he's hurt. Rager, they thought was going to be good. Don't draft him in the first round. If not, hasn't materialized yet. Can't give up on him. Um, while Quez Watkins showed some things, I mean, he's, I think, what, a sixth-round pick? Um, you know, so still has, you know, room to grow, and obviously he's very fast. But those two tight ends could still be their best playmakers and pass catchers, you know, uh, as things unfold if they keep them. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we've seen these two guys coexist before. You know, it, it ruins the ceiling for both. But absolutely he should be in on your radar. Like, I'll just give you an example. You know, we did – um, one of our leagues that we're playing out for our magazine um, that should be on newsstands now, I think. And I punted on tight end, and I took Blake Jarwin. I'm looking at the waiver wire, you know, just for you know options. And Zach Hertz is one of the ones that you know I'll consider if a if he's moved someplace else, b if he's still with Philadelphia, if Jarwin is still banged up and not 100 percent and losing playing time to Dalton Schultz. Okay, and just uh, oh, go ahead, Chris. One deep sleeper I want to point out in that discussion: if Zach Hertz does get moved. They've been raving about Tyree Jackson, who's a converted quarterback who wasn't really working with the first team yesterday, but started getting involved in the third drive when Joe Flacco came in. So he's not too far down the depth chart. Um, he's apparently having a really good training camp. And um, this is a team that we know wants to use multiple tight ends. So if they do move Zach Ertz, you know, he, he's an intriguing, he's like six foot seven, uh, super athletic. So. He's a name that's been getting brought up a lot in camp and has been seeing a few reps with the first team. I just Another uh, late-round running back Never mind. <laughs> to pick up or keep an eye on is Anthony McFarlane. 
Um, you know, this is, uh, I don't know if he's the handcuff for Najee because I don't know what they'll do with Snell or Balazs, whoever ends up in that role. But, it, you know, if something happens to Najee Harris, it, it seems as if Anthony McFarlane, I was reading some stuff last night, you know, was lost last year, understandably so, um, and seems to have got it. And Steelers, second-year running backs, uh, that's typically when they click, if they click. You know, again, he's not going to be the featured guy, but he could have a role. And he could have uh, some some juice if uh, something happens to Najee during the season. Okay, now I'm going to give you two quick notes. I thought that Jacoby Myers looked like he, he just might be a very good player. You know, he's a solid player. He only had, if you look at the box score, one catch for 11 yards. But he actually had a really nice catch that if they had challenged would have been overturned. It was ruled an incomplete pass. But uh, I'm interested to see if Kobe Myers can carve kind of a PPR role out. Uh, we'll see if they can distribute the ball to uh, enough players. But um, want to mention that. And Mac Jones, 4.6 yards per attempt. That's obviously horrible. <laughs> Very conservative. But he his best throw of the night was a fairly deep ball down the sideline that should have been caught for a touchdown by Christian Wilkerson. He dropped it. Would have made his numbers a little bit better. But Mac Jones, just very conservative. But... Played with poise, as you will read, and a good debut for him. And Cam Newton nearly died. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, one thing, you know, it's it's a little easier <laughs> yeah. uh, doing what Mac Jones did when you're not, when Chase Young isn't shoving your left tackle out of the way and blowing you up on the blind side. Yes. He stays healthy. He, he may be the defensive player of the year. Yeah, he, looked, he looked really good. Okay, a spot in the 2021 Podcast League is up for bid in our St. Jude Draft Prepping for Charity eBay store. Go to cbssports.com slash eBay, donate, and bid. You want in the Podcast League? Send something creative to fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. But if you don't have anything to send, you can buy your way in, which we always encourage. cbssports.com slash eBay goes to a great cause, supports St. Jude. The bidding concludes on Thursday, August 19th. And the podcast league is Monday. I believe that is August 30th. Is that right? August 30th? Yes. Okay. At 8 p.m. Eastern. Monday, August 30th, 8 p.m. Eastern. So go to cbssports.com slash eBay. Uh, We already have pushing 100 entries right now into the podcast league. And uh, How much has Nando donated to? uh, (laughs) I don't know. For your thing. I don't know. Nando is driving me crazy. <laughs> Nando went up to $60 on this. This is from me announcing the first round of picks of your draft. You can bid on that as well. Up to $70. All right. Benefits charity. Whoever, whoever wins that has to like just put the worst team names possible. <laughs> That's a good idea. All right. Let's do some news and notes before we get into your questions via Apple Podcasts and email. Urban Meyer is not committing to Trevor Lawrence as his week one starter. Are you buying that, Jamie? No, no, not at all. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's the college mentality of earn your spot. It's the um, you know potential of maybe trying to drum up trade interest for Gardner Minshew. It's uh, you know Minshew probably playing uh, a little bit better in in camp in some moments than than Trevor Lawrence is because he's a veteran that's been around a couple years. But it would be the dumbest, dumbest, dumbest thing maybe ever if Trevor Lawrence is not the Week One starter for a team that just needs a a face and needs a guy to you know cornerstone that's the guy you don't take him first overall and and play Gardner Minshew as your starter I'm surprised Urban Meyer's not doing like helmet stickers and (laughs) like you're not on the team until you make the team kind of stuff because yeah he, he seems to be bringing a lot of that college mentality with him 
Pete, uh, Pete was there. Pete Prisco was there. He said he's never seen a staff as large as Urban Myers. He has the most coaches he's ever seen. Yeah, the, the, he, he's t- there was a really good feature in The Athletic where he talked about how he wanted to make sure he was surrounded by experienced NFL coaches, which is it's a good sign given how different the culture is. Um, he's got a lot of them, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who is the Houston starting running back, Chris? Um, Mark Ingram slash Philip Lindsay, according to their unofficial. That unofficial depth chart was so strange that it almost looked like performance art. <laughs> like Nico Collins was like ninth at wide receiver. Deshaun Watson was fourth at quarterback, which obviously I think there's more going on there. Uh, and then, yeah, Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay listed as co-starters at running back. Sure. So what do we I, I do? Don't know. What do we do? Do we know just not draft any of them or take Lindsay late? What What do you do with the Texans running backs? I wouldn't pick any of them inside the top 100 at this point. They're they're all low upside. Like Lindsay and Johnson. I think Johnson's probably still the guy to take. They wouldn't have restructured his contract and kept him around. I think if they weren't going to use him, but. That's that's going to be such a bad offense. There's not going to be a lot of value in it anyway. Um, that if they're splitting work, if it's not a clear one number one guy, I, I don't think you're going to have a starter there. The only thing I think to to maybe hope for David Johnson, and you know, I'll say this to you, Adam, because you drafted him a lot, and the, you know, people that have taken him a lot in in early drafts, you know, best ball, whatever the case may be. Um, this is going to be a different offense, especially if it's no Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. And we know that he hasn't traditionally thrown to his running backs a lot. So if you go just based on the ESPN report that we saw earlier this week of David Johnson playing more of the Duke Johnson role, and again, I'm, I'm saying this with the offense changing, if he's more of a pass-catching back, which we know he's capable of doing, as he showed us in Arizona um, and in the 11-catch game last season, it's it, it may be a benefit to him because they're going to be chasing points and he's going to be maybe on the field a little bit more than the other two guys who may split rushing down work. So if there is reason to hope for David Johnson, it, it could be that his pass catching role increases and, you know, David Culley and uh, the coaching staff there, they, they lean on their running backs a little bit more in the passing game. Okay, Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports thinks that Justin Jackson has a stranglehold on the number two running back job for the Chargers. Quentin, uh, Quentin Nelson and Carson Wentz, they're trending in the right direction. They could be ready for week one. So, okay, are we, are we back Jonathan Taylor, back closer to the top five now? Or, you know, are we drafting Carson Wentz? Are we drafting Quentin Nelson in offensive line leagues? You know, we reacted pretty strongly to the initial news that they could miss, uh, what was it, five to, five to 12 weeks? 12 weeks. I, I think, you know, one, one thing that was a little concerning you know, piggybacking off of this news was Jim Irsay, the owner, saying they're not going to put Wentz on the field until he's 100%. Yeah, but th- that's not... But still, but still, it's looking like the shorter end of the timeline. Oh, for sure. It's not It's not October. R- right it's, now. It's now September. Yeah, I, I think the, the key thing, though, is they'll... What I was reading is they'll be able to get on the field for the first time Monday and Tuesday of this week, pretty much, or early this week with, you know, being two weeks removed from surgery. From what I understand, that was, like, kind of the timetable where they can start working out and I think we probably won't know until then um, you know see how they start reacting to this one one other thing that I did read was apparently the left tackle situation there has been brutal in training camp with Eric Fisher recovering from that Achilles tear and so if Nelson's not available for week one and Fisher who has a chance for week one but it's not clear yet um, 
that could be a pretty bad offensive line to start the season. Oh, okay. Ryan Kelly's been banged up too. Their center, yeah. so yeah, he's got like an elbow. All right. Thing. So, what does this mean for Jonathan Taylor, though? Is he still kind of toward the back end of the first round? Is he in the middle? Uh, in the middle of the first round, non PPR, he's in the conversation. Um, PPR, I think he's the back end of the first round. Uh, yeah. You know, beginning of the second, depending on how many receivers and uh, anybody beside Kelsey, you know, going in the first round. Um, I, I think though the fact that it is on the shorter end of the uh, rehab schedule or recovery schedule and hopefully the left tackle situation is is figured out but that's more of a passing situation than it is a rushing situation you know because if nelson and kelly are right you know that interior offensive line should be amazing um i would make offers for jonathan taylor now you know if you can because you still may find some panicked people that aren't paying attention all right let's fire through the rest of this here james connor is on the reserve covid list but he's a close contact so hopefully he's back within a few days uh, it is, according to The Athletic, more realistic that Rashad Bateman starts the season on IR than healthy and ready for week one. Yeah. Very disappointing. Uh, Cleveland's second-year safety Grant Delpit had a setback in his recovery from a hamstring injury, and he seems unlikely to play in week one, according to The Athletic. We've got to look at Minnesota's offensive line, especially at left tackle. They don't have Riley Reef anymore, and Christian Darasaw, rookie out of Virginia Tech, he is recovering from core muscle surgery, and he went to see a specialist, so... Things not going as smoothly there, I guess. And I was as I was watching the Patriots game last night, their announcer kept bringing up this new rule on screen passes where offensive linemen, I guess, can't go out and cut block people. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting, something to keep an eye on. Maybe makes the screen game a little bit less effective. You know, think about a screen pass. Those offensive linemen are out there in the open field kind of cutting people, and I guess you can't do that anymore. I didn't know about this new rule. So we will see. Uh, we'll see it in action, I guess. Okay, Apple Podcast questions from Backman2547. He says, Dear Aaron, Julio, Marvin, and in all caps, Daniel. Yeah, keeping up with the Joneses right there. I have a question as it relates to drafting guys with value. There's been a lot of talk about the second round Saquon. Yeah, Heath kind of coined him that. And his potential value as his draft stock is currently unstable. In 2015, I had the ninth pick in consensus top five. Eddie Lacy fell to me. I figured it was great value to end up with him there, so I drafted him. He was absolutely terrible, and he sunk my team. Ever since then, I've been hesitant to draft players who are sliding down the rankings, even if they have good value where I'm drafting. This year's case would be Saquon Barkley. I'm drafting 10th overall in a 12-team PPR league, and I'm almost positive Barkley will be there at 10. I'm probably going to pass on him there, but if he's still there at 15... Is he worth taking at 15, Saquon Barkley? I moved him up to six, so I have no problem taking him <laughs> back into the first round or, or certainly 15, so I'm probably the wrong person to ask. I'm, I'm, I'm always going to try and get the, the, the league winner if possible, and I think he's a league winner. Yeah, he certainly can be. Um, if he's out there and playing something close to a full allotment of snaps in week one, I think you got to approach him as if he's pretty much himself we'll we'll need to see how the rest of the preseason goes but yeah i've got him at eight that running back i haven't moved him down all that much i mean he did when i first did my rankings he was number two and then i realized i was being a little too bullish but no as far as trying to find upside you know you're trying to win your league you're not trying to avoid coming in last place and saquon barkley can help you do that Mm-hmm. Uh, from Jay Battinger, grade the dynasty trade. Give up Amari Cooper and Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
get Deshaun Watson and a 2022 first-round pick and Michael Gallup. Giving up Cooper, Ryan Fitzpatrick, getting Watson, a first-round pick next year, and Michael Gallup. If you can afford to lose Cooper, then I like the trade, but I'd like to know what the rest he of the season can. four looks like. He has like. Ridley, McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, and Jamar Chase. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're 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 buying in on Deshaun Watson playing, if not this year, next year. I hope you have another quarterback situation, but Fitzpatrick in, in Dynasty is you know kind of worthless. Um, Gallup could be certainly interesting on a new team, and then whatever that pick turns into. So yeah, like Cooper for a one and Gallup seems okay. You know, I I think not if it's a late round though, late one though. Right, right, but you know, this far out, you know, I think you would want more, but it's not like horrible. So even if something does happen and Watson doesn't contribute at all this season, I think it's very unlikely he's looking at a multi-season. Uh, suspension, although, you know, we'll see. Um, so, I, yeah, I think it's fine. All right. By the way, we're not putting any keeper. We had so many Apple Podcast questions. We probably would have done an hour and a half if we had read all the keeper questions. So, like I said, if you want to leave your Apple Podcast reviews, that's so much appreciated. Please leave a nice review with it, not just a question, but please tell people what you like about the show uh, as we try to hook on some more listeners and, and grow our podcast. Um, but also no more keeper questions. Just can't really do them right now. This is from Colby dog. 0707. I play in a 12 team half PPR league where you start three receivers and two flex. The league is designed to make the rosters deeper, use more players and incentivize trading. How do you think the draft strategy should change when you, when you're starting three wide receivers and two flex and two running backs, by the way, in a half PPR league? This is the format Jamie and I drafted in last week for the Flex League. Um, I think the way you should approach this, and I think this is generally true in a one Flex three wide receiver league, but there you probably shouldn't be looking to start a running back in your Flex in either spot. Um, the 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 most optimal approach is probably going to be to have five starting wide receivers, which you know means you know I, I we you guys. I think, Adam, you didn't love John Daigle's approach of taking eight wide receivers to start his draft or whatever it was uh, when you guys talked about it earlier. Oh, yeah, I hated it. But, um, but I think <laughs> the logic there, you know, getting bench wide receivers before you filled out your other spots, it, you know, there's some logic there to it. You know, it, you should be looking to have more viable starting options at wide receiver and a three wide receiver, two flex league, then you have starting But why not? But why can't your flex be a running back? This this question is in full PPR. PPR No, it's a half PPR question. Yeah, that changes things. Full PPR. It changes things a little bit, but they're just, I don't think there are enough good running backs out there to be worth starting in those situations. But it depends on how you start your team, though. I mean, you know, it, 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 it's obviously going to be, you know, who you find on the waiver wire, who you get as a late round pick that turns into, you know, a, a difference making kind of player. But, you know, to, to take John's approach, John Daigle's approach, like he's he added to his bench while sacrificing two starting spots. You know, so he's hoping right. he's hoping for waivers or injuries, which will happen. And again, you know, he, he's going to win this league if if Aaron Jones and Ezekiel Elliott go down at any point, and he has a stretch of AJ Dillon and Tony Pollard. Uh, but you know, he he's he, he sort of you know handicapped himself a little bit by the way that he overextended it. Now, I think in half PPR, you can start running backs in the flex. Um, if Again, if you 
hit on the right players, you know, so, you know, you got to hope that those guys that are going in, in the round five through seven range of Miles Gaskin and Mike Davis and Travis Etienne and um, Javante Williams and Michael Carter, you know, that those type of players are, are starting options that have, you know, the ability to be better than uh, Jerry Judy or Brandon Cooks or, you know, those type of receivers. The receivers are safer, you know, but I don't think it's a bad idea to necessarily have a running back in the flex spot. I don't think you're going to kill yourself that way. No, and, and, and you need to have some depth at running back too because sometimes, as we all know, throughout the fantasy season, it's hard to find even two running backs. You get injuries, you get bye weeks and things like that. So, you know, you got to start two running backs and you need some depth there as well. I don't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't go sure, not, I, I wouldn't go completely crazy, but that was just one person doing one thing that probably right, nobody right. else is going to do. I wasn't saying that was the optimal strategy. Yeah, but yeah. the idea of having more viable starting wide receivers, I think, makes sense. And, and well, Chris, let me league, ask you, I, what what are you, what's your starting lineup in that league? Because it's similar. So, so I oh, sorry, I, time out. Your league is full PPR. Our league is half. Your league is oh, half. half. So this is the same exact format. So it's, it's the same exact thing. Three receivers, two running backs, and two right. flex. One quarterback, uh, by the way. That draft kind of went sideways on me pretty early and ended up not taking a wide receiver until the fifth round. So, yeah. <laughs> so you didn't follow your <laughs> as I say, not as I, as I teach. Um, <clears throat> I've got Lamar Jackson, Alvin Kamara, uh, and David Montgomery. <laughs> then my wide receivers are actually pretty weak. I just had to shoot for upside at that point because I also went with Darren Waller. Um, so I've got Jamar Chase, Will Fuller, Mikael Hardman, Rondell Moore, Curtis Samuel, Emmanuel Sanders. So you're starting uh, okay. two of those receivers at flex. I might actually end up starting James Robinson, but he fell really far in this draft. Okay. I got him in the eighth round. So that's, you know, obviously the, the draft circumstances can dictate other right. things, but getting James Robinson in the eighth round, you ne- can't necessarily rely on getting a guy with that kind of role that late. Right. Um, but you're, you're right now, your flex options would be Curtis Samuel, Michael Hardman. Yeah. Or James Robinson for two yeah. spots. So like what the way I, I, my team is, is, uh, my flex options right now would be Tyler Boyd and Kareem Hunt with a lineup of Aaron Jones, Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, and Keenan Allen. You know, so well, it's one and one. Don't you have to start three receivers? Oh, I'm sorry, Juju's the third receiver. Oh, that's really good. Who's your quarterback? So, uh, Kyler. And you punted tight end? Uh, I took Troutman and Logan Thomas. Dude, you have a super yeah, Thomas team. Fell, Thomas fell a lot in that league. You must yeah, love your I got team. Your team with- sounds incredible. I got lucky with my five, six, seven round picks of maybe even the eighth round. I think I took uh, James Conner in the eighth round or Latavius Murray in the eighth round. Um, Team is loaded. I I ended up with uh, Kyler in round five, Juju in round six, Kareem Hunt in round seven. You know, so that those three picks in a row were were pretty. Uh, I was pretty happy about that that three yeah. round. Uh, Run. Now, yeah, and listen, Juju in round six, and we were just doing the wide receivers preview yesterday, and that's earlier than his ADP, but in this format, remember, three wide receivers, two flex, and I know Jamie said on a different show, wide right. receivers well, I, went super early. I brought, I brought so. this up when we were doing the wide receiver preview that he was the 29th receiver off the board. You know, that just was, to me, incredible value. Yeah. All right, let's move on here. Uh, from Mike in a city with a twin bridge in Sydney, Australia. Huh. I have no idea. Dear Joaquin, Jared, Jack, Caesar, and Heath. Also, no idea. Boy, you're stumping us, Mike. If there was Jokers. one, what'd you say? Jokers. 
Heath Ledger. Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't know the other guys, I guess. I don't Joaquin know. Who Jared. Yeah, I don't know. Jared Leto. Ah, uh, okay. Who's yeah. Caesar? Yeah. Huh? Who's Caesar? Who's who? Caesar. Caesar was the guy who played him in the uh TV show in the 60s. Oh, okay. I can't remember his name, but yeah. Good job, you bunch of jokers. All right, if there was one rookie wide receiver and one rookie running back we should target in a keeper league, who would it be and in what round? <laughs> 12 team PPR. How vague. Najee Harris and Jamar Chase. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think no, if, it, you're, if you're going deeper than round that. Round 10. Round 10? Round 10 for Harris and Chase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, go ahead. Um, you know, if you're looking for, you know, guys who may be impact players next year, uh, Rondell Moore would probably be the first name on the list for me. Um, just because I don't know how great he'll be as a rookie, but I do think, you know, once AJ Green is done and, you know, Christian Kirk is, is maybe on a different team, he could be the number two option, maybe even the number one option, depending on what happens with Hopkins. So he's, he's definitely somebody that you should be targeting. The running back is interesting. Uh, who would be a guy that maybe next? You know, Ramon, You know, I, I hate to just go off of what happened last night, but Ramondre yeah. Stevenson, he was somebody that I was looking for uh, in all of my dynasty drafts, and I just was not able to get him. Kenneth Gainwell is another one too, yep, you know, just because I think those two guys could have pretty decent roles. I, like I said, I hope they they move on from Sony Michelle because I think Stevenson could, you know, play in tandem with with Damian Harris and maybe be better than Harris. And and someone okay. I've been targeting late. I mean, I think. One, not quite as late, but um, Trey Sermon, you know, yes. seventh, eighth round in, in redraft leagues. I think he's definitely someone worth identifying. But late, late, Javion Hawkins, he's an undrafted free agent for the Falcons who's competing for the number two spot. Um, you know, who knows if he'll actually get that by the end of the preseason, but I feel like Mike Davis could be like two games where he rushes for 37 yards total yep. on 20 carries away from losing that job, in which case, you know, they really like Javian Hawkins, apparently. So that's a, I don't know when you're airing this, Adam, if it's Saturday. Overly, okay. I was going to say, if, if you're playing DFS Friday night, that's a great target. Oh, yeah. He is in my DFS lineup, as well as someone whose name I think is Racy McMath. Oh, yeah. Racy McMath. <laughs> yeah. Tennessee Titans. Uh huh. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I would also put, you know, for that answer to that question, uh, I'm on St. Brown. Um, apparently having a very strong training camp. Oh, he's also in my lineup. Racy McMath, Amonra St. Brown. So And Josh Palmer. He, uh, oh, that's a good call, yeah. But yeah. if you're looking for a late-round rookie, uh, rookie, they love him. In yes. Los um, I'm glad you brought up Trey Sermon because uh, Jonathan Jones, you mentioned him earlier, Adam, with his uh, a report on the Chargers. Mm-hmm. He's with the 49ers. He's going to be uh, uh, with us on CBS Sports HQ on Friday. Um, but he was with the 49ers on Thursday. And so he did a hit for another show. And he said that th- what he's hearing about Trey Sermon in San Francisco, they're talking about him like Alvin Kamara and Ezekiel. Like he's getting those type of comparisons. So I don't think it's going to be long before he's the guy for the 49ers. If that's true. Yeah, I've seen a lot of beat reporters in San Francisco talking about like the usage of him might be, he's actually the starter and gets, you know, heavier work. And then, uh, Raheem Moster comes in and, you know, when the defense is softened up, can break big plays. I think it'll be pretty close to even, but he is going to have a, a significant role. I don't know that I can think of a situation where the defense got softened up and somebody came in and broke big plays. I mean, that just seems like such a 
ridiculous cliche. Well, Derrick Henry does it for Derrick Henry. <laughs> Every game, Derrick Henry, first three quarters, softens the defense. I'm, no, I, I I think it's more just about the, the roles. No, you know, I, the, I get it. I'm not criticizing what you were saying. Use, I just but. think it's a dumb cliche. But all right, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. We got a lot of emails to get to here. Um, Maybe the Titans with Chris Johnson and Landell White. I just, I just think that people, I don't Tiki, know. Tiki and Brandon Jacobs. I don't buy. No, I don't believe that it actually happened. I, yeah, I, I think those guys were just good. Yeah, it, right. I don't think Brandon Jacobs. He wasn't being used early in the game, and then Tiki came in later to run, make a big play. No, You'd probably I, go the other way with that. What do you mean? That Tiki was usually in the early part of the game, and then Brandon. Well, yeah, Jacobs but so what? Play. They used Tiki to soften the defense, like the little dude. I don't think so. Well, I, no, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's not necessarily the size of the player. It's dumb. Okay, by the way, the city with a twin bridge in Australia is Bayo, New Jersey. This is from a Cajun in South Louisiana. How does an eight-team league change your strategy for drafting quarterbacks if it's Superflex? QBs in an eight-team Superflex league. Jamie, go. The first eight picks, there should be probably seven quarterbacks. Okay, from R. Cody D., are there any comps to be made or lessons to be learned from the Miles Sanders situation heading into last season? versus Jonathan Taylor now. Uh, Sanders was being considered at the end of the first round before a spate of injuries to the offensive line pushed him back. Um, yeah, so this guy, so Cody is trying to draw comparisons between Miles Sanders and Jonathan Taylor. Chris, do you see him? The issues for Miles Sanders weren't rushing efficiency. He actually averaged 72, 72 rushing yards per game on 5.3 yards per carry. He was awesome as a rusher. The problem was he just completely forgot how to catch the ball and they lost trust in him. So yeah, but the Taylor's not going like to have that huge role in training camp too. Taylor's not going to have that huge role either in the passing game. So can you look at miles? I, I don't know. I think the situations are pretty different. Yeah. Well, like there's the, one big similarity. The guy handed in the ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that the thing. True. If Carson Wentz doesn't like Philip rivers, wasn't amazing last year, but he was good enough to, to provide a, a steady floor. Carson Wentz, I don't feel confident can do that right now, especially right. if the, the offensive line's not going to be good because last year he just could not handle the pass rush. Yeah, Dave keeps so, saying that Rivers didn't play well last year. Phillip Rivers was very good last well, year. He I, wasn't a if, superstar. In my opinion, Rivers was pretty bad until I said he was the worst quarterback in football, and then he became pretty good. So He's just – he's he was – like kind of really what turn we around. think Teddy Bridgewater can do for Denver. Just like he's not going to screw up. Okay, Just this is from Nano Dog. Nano Dog says, um, "12 team, four point per passing touchdown league." Uh, where would you have the Saints quarterbacks ranked? It is a team QB league. Oh, this is so interesting. Where do you rank the Saints in a team QB league? Four point per passing touchdown. Eight. Yeah, I think they'd be top ten. Really? I think that, like, you're gonna I, get whatever crap touchdowns Taysom Hill gives you. Oh yeah, that's a good point. If Jameis starts, yeah, but there's not gonna be that many. Of that, but oh, if Jameis throws a touchdown to Taysom Hill, yes, I know. But that's you'd have to take him over like Aaron well, Rodgers. If if Taysom Hill was the starter, he would be a borderline top twelve guy for me. And if Jameis Winston was the starter, he'd be a top fifteen guy for me. But really, so, without Michael Thomas for half the season, yeah, it doesn't matter. You're 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 getting the potential of what you just said. There's going to probably be, I'm going to ballpark it somewhere around five. Of what? I mean, he had eight. Wait, Tays five what? Taysom had eight touchdowns when he wasn't playing quarterback. Five non-passing touchdowns for Taysom Hill. Okay. If he's okay. not the starter. I thought you meant five touchdowns, Winston to Hill. 
No, that, five not gonna happen. non-passing touchdowns for Taysom Hill if he's not the starting if he's not as not as a quarterback. Okay. And if he doesn't, if he does start, you're probably looking at 700 rushing yards and eight touchdowns. All right, and finally, Josh in a northern Kentucky city, Springfield, which is apparently, if you watch the uh, Behind the Laughter episode, the Simpsons are from <laughs> northern Kentucky. I'm drafting in a new league this weekend, and I'm not sure how to draft based on the roster setup. It's 10 teams, PPR, two running backs, two wide receivers, one flex. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, yeah, this is weird. You've got a super flex. You've got a wide receiver running back tight end and a wide receiver running back spot. So you don't have to start a tight end. Boy, what do you do here? So if he has the number 10 spot, he thinks he should be able to get Lamar and Zeke. Oh, that is a great start in a super flex league. Right? 10 and 11. 10 and 11 overall. Yeah, if you could get those two guys, you shouldn't be able to. Right. Zeke, yes. Yeah. Zeke is probably there. I think you might be able to get one of the top five tight ends or quarterbacks at, at uh, tenth overall. Yeah, one thing I would say I was writing about this on the in the FF Today newsletter um, for Friday. I think my number four tight end is Mark Andrews, and he would be my number twenty six running back if you just looked at points, and my number forty one wide receiver, which is to say, you probably shouldn't be st- drafting any of the tight ends except for Waller, Kittle, and Kelsey as a starter. Like They can be potential flex options for your bench, but that's one real change is that you can kind of push those guys way down the draft board. And that's uh, in this league where you don't have to start a tight end. Yeah, you don't have to start a right. tight end. Yeah, if you can get a top five or even top six quarterback, actually, 10-team league, you should probably commit to taking a quarterback because you're not picking right. again that's, for another 20 I just don't see picks. why Lamar, if Lamar's there at 10, that's a gift. Yeah, yeah, but if you get Russell Wilson or or somebody just outside the top five and yeah. a top running back, that's a great way to start. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Unless two of those guys are sitting there if you think it's going to go the other way. Yeah, yeah, you could do that too. I mean, in a 10-team league, Superflex, you're going you're gonna to be shocked at all the value you see. <clears throat> all right, then. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we got your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Our first email comes from Jared. You should know. Lito. Uh, Jared, yes, Jared Lido. All right, yeah. In the, in the top, never mind what I was going to say. In the top 200 rankings, is that based off who's projected to score more fantasy points or a player's positional overall value or some sort of combo? Jamie, when somebody looks at your top 200 rankings, what is that based off of? Uh, it's based off who I like best. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's um, the second thing. It's not just who's going to score the more points. It's, no, uh, it's because obviously value. it was going to be who's going to score the most points. It'd be quarterbacks, then receivers, then 
probably a mix of running backs and tight ends. Um, you know, I, I, I it, it's where I think those players should go when you're up in your draft. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I, this actually, I wrote about, this was the question I wrote about in FF today on oh. Friday. Um, and I, my suggestion would be listen to the value-based drafting uh, podcast that you guys did last week, because, you know, that gets into a lot of the discussions of how to value different positions against one another. Yeah. But also the rankings are going to take into account upside and downside. Yeah. Yeah. Where you might take a player that you think most realistic scenario, he's a little bit worse than someone, uh, but you're going to rank him ahead of that person because you think he's got more upside. That's the tough thing about rankings is like you put them in one list, but the way it actually works is like Jarvis Landry could be anywhere from wide receiver 30 to wide receiver 40. And Mike Williams could be anywhere from wide receiver 20 to wide receiver 60. Right, right. And so which one do you value more? It depends on what part of the draft you're in, what your team looks like already. That, that's kind of the tough thing with the ordinal ranking list. All right, this is from GR. I have the third pick in my 10-team PPR league. I was planning on drafting Kamara. I'm starting to feel some hesitance since the Saints don't seem to know who their wide receivers or quarterback currently are. Uh, the lack of wide receivers could result in a stacked box for Kamara and possibly a quarterback who doesn't show a history of checking it down to the running back. Should I draft Kamara at three, or should I draft the next running back in the rankings, or go rogue and draft Kelsey in a PPR league at third overall? I just made a change in my rankings last night. I put Zeke three. <laughs> wow. Now, first of all, all of the reports indicate that no matter who's been the quarterback, they're, th- they're checking down a lot right now for yep. the Saints. So that's something to keep in mind for Kamara. But you do bring up good points, GR. There are some concerns for Alvin Kamara. But that surprises me, Jamie, that you're going Zeke over Kamara at three. I just, you know, when I, when I looked at it, uh, this is obviously assuming that Dak is right. Because if Dak is not right, then it's easy to, you know, drop Zeke down. Who knows how far. But, um, you know, he's, he's shown the ability to catch the ball from Prescott. He's in better shape. Offensive line is healthy. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he is challenging for the rushing record again. Um, I, I just think that he's he's got a little bit more upside right now. So uh, he's third for me in both formats. In PPR, Kamara's four. Okay. Kamara's my number two player. I I love him this season. I think whether it's Hill, yeah, there's some concerns about how much uh, the passing volume is going to be there, but he's going to be a more efficient runner if Taysom Hill is a starting quarterback, and I think he's going to run more. Um, I think they're going to have to use him. He's probably, I would, I would imagine he's going to set a career high in rushing and rushing attempts. Um, and you know, as far as the stacked box thing, like that's a, most of the research I've seen shows that how many defenders are in the box when a running back gets carries is a result of the personnel that the offense has on the field, not how many threats they have, you know, whether they have good wide receivers. Like if you throw three, if you're running an 11 personnel, you're probably not going to run against a lot of stack boxes and the saints are probably going to run an 11 personnel quite a bit. Yeah. I just remember seeing a few years ago that they had such a great running game as your Mark. It was one of the years where Mark Ingram and Kamara are both great. And they saw the, you know, like the fifth fewest eight man boxes, eight man boxes. I don't know if that was because of what you just said, their personnel or because they had Drew Brees. But yeah. Well, that was, was that back when Jimmy Graham was there too? No, I don't think so. No. Because they, they're, Graham, he was probably on I don't think Graham and Kamara ever played together. Yeah. Because okay, they're a team point. that doesn't run a ton of sets with their tight end in line either. So 
they're just they spread the field out, and that's what the defense is reacting to more than sure. Right, you can't go eight man in the box if you had to cover guys on the perimeter. Right, Nick Chubb sees a lot of eight man boxes. Not, I mean, he's really good, and defenses want to stop him, but also because they're in two tight end sets or two RB sets all the time. All right, I, I I will just say that if you really don't feel good about anyone at three overall. I have made the case that you could. I think it's justifiable to take Kelsey because yep. he is so safe, and he's been the number one PPR tight end five years in a row, and he's and he's got huge upside, and he can score over three hundred points, which is not something that you see a lot of running backs do. Now, Kamara and Zeke at their best could score three hundred and fifty points or something like that. Yeah. So I get that, but you know, Jamie, you said that Zeke has more upside than Kamara, but who has more downside? I think Kamara. You know, just if it, we said this on the running back show, you know, I, I think he's going to be fantastic catching the ball. That that I don't think is going to go away. But if the touchdowns become a problem because the offense is a problem, then you have to really be concerned. And so, uh, again, I think it just comes down to quarterback. If, if you tell me Dak is right, this is going to be one of the best offenses in football. I don't know if that's going to be the case for the Saints, no matter who the quarterback yeah. is. Okay, from Dennis in an Air Force base in North Carolina. We're in a 14-team PPR league, and we're doing a third-round reversal. So the pick pick 14 gets the first pick in round three, and then we continue a snake draft. What pick do you want with a 14-team league with a third-round reversal? Chris? Man, I had the second pick in Scott Fishbowl, which was 12-team third-round reversal, and it, it's really rough to have to wait that long to get your uh, third player. Well, your second and then your third player. So... Uh, I still think, though, I think if you get your choice of any spot, I think the first pick is the way to go. Um, just because I think Christian McCaffrey is such an edge on everything else, and the deeper the league is, having one player who can produce like that, that's going to make up for so many faults in your lineup. Okay. From Dean, dear Nigel, Sticky Beard, Kuki, and Numba, and number five. <laughs> I looked it up. It's it's a children's show, I believe. Oh, okay. What what show? Uh, Operation Quiet. No. Codename Kids Next Door is the name of the show. Oh, all right. God. On Operation Operation Quiet would be something I really need to incorporate in my house. Okay, so Dean <laughs> is um, has the second pick in a twelve. I have, I have a three year old that's been sitting next to me for forty five minutes. That's actually been quiet. I'm really, surprised. I heard him um, once. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. He's watching Wreck It Ralph for like the fiftieth time. Oh, I love <laughs> that movie. Me and him. Oh man, makes me cry every time. That's what my brother. My brother said, "Feel the dreams makes him cry every time." Well, you cry every time at uh, Jerry Maguire because it's a romance. <laughs> it is. God, Feel the Dreams is just. I don't like it. The most overrated movie in history. In history. <laughs> also, like, they weren't actually playing at the Field of Dreams yesterday. No, they're they playing next to it. Just to be it. clear, they were playing at a dream-adjacent field. It was, like, a couple of blocks away from the Field of Dreams. Don't lie to me, Major League Baseball. <laughs> it was pretty cool, though. No, it was very cool. And when they all appeared out of the corn in the end, that was... I love uh, the walk-off home run against the Yankees. Right, shut up. So here's uh, the question from Dean. 12-team standard scoring league, getting a stud running back in round one. Aaron Boone is so ridiculous. Getting a stud running back in round one, but how would you go about the 2-3 turn and the 4-5 turn? 
with the second overall pick in a 12-team standard scoring league. Jamie, just overall, you're thinking, all right, I got Dalvin Cook in round one. It's standard scoring. What do I do with my next four picks? Uh, standard, I, I would look for a running back in round two. You know, that's kind of J.K. Dobbins, David Montgomery range. Uh, you know, I, I would I would consider that there. Um, I would uh, I would probably, you know, look for best available either wide receiver or tight end in round three. Um, you know, that's typically going to be, I think, where Waller, Kittle are, mm-hmm. you know, so inclined to go that route. And then, you know, then I start looking wide receiver. But I try to get two running backs in my first two picks if you can. First okay. three picks, excuse me. Next question from Oscar. Would love a quick breakdown of the top five offensive lines. Who's your top five offensive lines? Uh, Dallas is in the conversation. New Orleans is in the conversation. Tennessee's in the conversation. Um, Cleveland. Colts. Cleveland. Cleveland. Colts, if they're healthy. Here's, a, here's how PFF ranks it. I think, I think New England up there now. Cleveland, Indianapolis, New England... New Orleans, Tampa Bay. Oh, let's not forget about them. Then Dallas. Then the Chiefs. Uh, that they do. The Chiefs. I don't know about right now. Man, the Chiefs. They pretty much turned over their entire offensive line, didn't they? They have yes. four new starters on the line. Uh, yes, that was um, right. They have two new tackles. <clears throat> they have Laurent Duvernay-Tarnif back. Actually, Mike Remmers is is back at right tackle. Um, well, the doctor's out now. Yeah, right. Duvernay Tardif got hurt. Uh, yeah, they they signed Joe Joe Thune. Tooney? It's Joe Tooney, right? Joe Tooney. Yeah, Joe Tooney. So they've got a good offensive line as well. That's the Chiefs. And then the Rams come in eighth for PFF. All right, thank you, Oscar. This is from Zach. 10-team league. Half PPR. I get to pick my draft spot. Should, does he just take first? If you have the choice, you should always take first. Every Pretty much every season, the first pick has the highest win percentage. Could that have been true last year? Honestly, I think it was pretty close to true. I don't know if it had the best, but it actually was better than than you would think, which is very surprising. But yeah. remember, Christian McCaffrey was amazing the three games he played, and you might have already had Mike Davis. So, so I, I had I had the first pick I think in one league, and I won it. Uh, it was our fantasy football today league, and I was able to get Mike Davis. So I'm sure that that probably helped, but. Um, yeah, it was it was obviously more challenging <laughs> than it was in previous years. Yeah. From Christina, 12-team PPR Keeper League. I'm picking third in the second round. I have to keep Patrick Mahomes. Would you pair him with Tyree Kill or best available running back who could end up being Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, or Aaron Jones? I think I have Jones higher than Hill. I think I have Hill higher than the other two, though. Yeah, I would go Jones. Then from Steven from Duval, dear Duval. Remy, Jerry, Speedy, and Splinter. These are uh, Ninja Turtle rat masters. Well, just Splinter is. I don't know who the other guys are. How many quarterbacks <laughs> will throw 600 times this year, and who are they? Oh, those are just like mice slash rats. Oh, Speedy Gonzalez, Jerry from Tom and Jerry, yeah. Remy from uh, Ratatouille. Oh, I never saw Ratatouille. Oh, it's so good, Adam. Come on. Gosh, you like all the kids' movies. Love, oh, Maybe love you should it. get Paddington, some kids, Chris. Paddington 2 is one of the best movies ever made. <laughs> Which one? Paddington 2. Amazing Paddington movie. 2? No, it literally had the highest rating on Rotten Tomatoes ever. Higher than Citizen Kane. What? Really? And it's better than Citizen Kane. 
<laughs> That's probably I don't true. Don't care about a, a wagon or whatever, a toboggan. So you've got projections. So how many quarterbacks are you projecting to throw six hundred times? Oh well, you got Lamar, Taysom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I have eleven. Yeah. Um, how about how about like six hundred and thirty times since it's a seventeen game season? Um, none. Oh really? Yeah, I don't have anybody projected there, but there's a a bunch in the six ten to six twenty range. Roethlisberger, Fitzpatrick, Burrow, Dak, Herbert, Mahomes, Allen, and Stafford are all in the six ten to six twenty range. Okay. Well, that was a good mailbag, everybody. I want to thank everyone for contributing, for giving us your emails, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com and your Apple Podcast reviews. Uh, we have a fun weekend coming up. So this is your Saturday episode. Tomorrow you've got your live salary cap draft uh, that we did on Tuesday. I'm airing the entire thing. It's I don't know. It was a long. It was a long episode. Uh, was it the entire thing? It was close. We didn't complete the salary cap draft on the air, but it's much of it. And I think you should learn some really good lessons. We had some good guests from around like the deep? industry. I don't. I honestly don't remember. But yeah, I think I did like my team. I, I team must now. say, Jamie, it was the worst team you've ever drafted. I love my team. No, okay, no way. Was, Let's go. I don't know if you guys Let's do talked this. about this on the pod, but nobody overpaid in that draft. It was like the weirdest uh, salary cap draft I've ever done. I talked about it because like, I read your, com- your comment in the chat room. Yeah, every single draft pick, at least based on your guys' consensus values, was pretty much within a couple of dollars. You usually see... You know, early on, maybe someone goes for five, six, seven, eight dollars more, but everybody played it very, very cool. Dude, Jamie, this is the worst team. You've never drafted a worse team. I love the team. All right, here we go. Ready? Matthew Stafford, Mm -hmm. Clyde Edwards Zelair, and Miles Gaskin. Very happy about that. Tyreek Hill, Odell, uh, Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, Odell Beckham, Mm -hmm. Irv Smith at tight end, Mm -hmm. Jerry Judy at flex. And LaVisca Chenault at flex, possibly. Kareem Hunt, possibly a flex. Trey Sermon. You have good depth. I'll give you that. Um, your best pick's probably the Rams DST. That's my best pick. <laughs> Chris, come on. This team sucks. I don't like it, no. What do you like about this team, Jamie? It's so many I mean, question marks. Th- it, it's, I don't have to make a waiver move. Because you do have the best. You must have the best bench because you didn't go crazy and spend big on... a lot. On, I'm sure you did on Tyree Kill, maybe Clyde Edwards Zeller, but... You've got a great 24 for Hill, 16 for Elair. They were both pretty reasonable. Great balance bench with Sermon and Kareem Hunt, LaVisca Chenault, Jonu Smith, and Darnell Mooney. But to have Jamar Chase and Odell Beckham as wide receivers two and three, I mean, Chase is fine, but Beckham at three er, and Jerry Judy at five. But I can play Chenault if he's the guy I think he's going to be. I can Judy. You do not love this team. I love it a lot. Not. Yeah. Jamie loves all his kids and all his teams, apparently. (laughs) My teams are all my kids. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And we will talk to you on Sunday as you can hear all about Jamie's team. See ya. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. 
Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.